Without faith it is impossible to be well-pleasing to Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He exists and that He is a rewarder of those who seek Him. Hebrews 11.6 Lord, I believe in You. I believe You are good all the time. Yes, all the time. You are good. I put my faith, all of my hope, all of my trust in you completely. Your word says you reward those who seek you, and I'm seeking you with my whole heart today. I know you are with me, giving me the courage and strength and determination that I need to keep moving forward, accomplishing your plans and purposes for me. I may not always see the fruit of my efforts or the fruit of my prayers immediately, but I know you are faithfully working behind the scenes. At the right time, all will be revealed. Thank you for your love for me. Thank you for your patience with me. Thank you for leading me and guiding me. Thank you for empowering me to overcome every obstacle to press on and persevere, even when I'm tempted to quit. I'm inspired by my desire to honor you today. I'm motivated by my desire to share your love and your light with others. I want to make an impact. I want to make a difference in this world. I know I can do it in your strength, by your grace and for your glory. I have faith. So it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Stay tuned to immerse yourself in the greatest stories ever told from Pray.com's podcast, Heroes in the Bible. Hello, my name is Matthew Potter, co-founder of Pray.com. And before we start today's episode of Heroes in the Bible, I wanted to ask, do you know what your bank does with your money? At America's Christian Credit Union, your everyday banking helps grow churches, expand the reach of missions agencies, and supports fellow believers across the country. Learn more about specials for switching to ACCU and their nationwide banking capabilities at americaschristiancu.com forward slash pray. Plus, the peace of mind knowing that this credit union is federally insured by the National Credit Union Administration. Hi, I'm Dr. Tony Evans, your host for Heroes in the Bible. If you've been enjoying this series, please write a review and let me know how this podcast has impacted your life. Welcome to the Epic Adventure of David, a story of honor, battle, jealousy, darkness, friendship, love, scandal, and murder. While most people know of David the myth, few know about David the man. In this episode, David the man is exposed and rebuked. This episode does not feature a profound failure or moral mishap, but we are coming to a point in the story where the myth of David has melted away, and all that remains is David the man. Our story only has a few more episodes, and it would seem like David's epic tale is crawling to the finish line. Rest assured, dear listeners, that David still has a few more epic adventures before our time is up. This episode reminds us that David has some growing up to do, even in his old age. The death of his son has left him despondent and crippled with grief. Normally, we appreciate David's sensitive soul, 
But this time, it is a bit different. David's emotions overcome him, resembling what modern doctors might call clinical depression. David is trapped in his own emotions all throughout this episode, whether it's because of Absalom, Joab, or the state of Israel. But the kingdom needs him. His men need him. There is a mounting threat that can consume the nation if not dealt with. Does David still have what it takes? Or as he at a point in his life where he delegates everything to his subjects? Have we seen the end of the giant slayer? Will the people be forced to put their trust in Joab? Let's find out in episode 28, The Rebellion of Sheba. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Prelude to Chapter 28 David sat between two gates, peering out at the battlefield miles away. He could hear the clanging of swords and the screams of fallen men, but there was no way of him knowing what had come of the battle. He had faith in his men that they would end the insurrection of Absalom swiftly and decisively. There had yet to be an army his mighty men could not topple, and he was confident in their skills. However, his confidence in them grieved him, for he knew that they would slay his son if given the chance. He had ordered them not to, but the possibility of his death remained. The king sighed and buried his face in his hands. He hated being sidelined, but he knew it was best for the battle. He would be a distraction, and he could not get his hands dirty with the blood of Israelites. David sipped his water skin inside. The sun was fixed directly in the center of the sky, beating down on his bare neck. He wiped the sweat off his brow and mumbled a prayer to the Lord. Protect them, he whispered. He was filled with anxiety about the battle, and his heart pounded even heavier when he saw a man approaching. The watchman on the tower above David called out, saying, There's a man running alone. If he is alone, it means he's a messenger. It was Ahimeaz, son of Zadok the priest. He came with news from the forest. He approached with a smile on his face waving and jumping with glee. David's heart was relieved at the sight. All is well, my king. Ahimeaz declared. Blessed be the Lord your God. He has delivered up the men who rebelled against you. 
Joab and the others were able to subdue the enemy and make swift work of their ranks. What of my son, Absalom? David asked anxiously. I have no word. He replied. There was a great commotion once the army began to flee. Perhaps he departed with the rest of them. As Ahimeaz said this, another messenger came from the same direction. It was a Cushite messenger sent by Joab himself. I come with good news, my king! He said with a beaming smile. Yes, good Ahimeaz has told me we have won. David replied. But what of my son, Absalom? The Cushite smile left immediately, and he darted his eyes to Ahimeaz. He looked down and bowed before the king, saying, My king, if it is any consolation, I pray all of your enemies perish in the same way Absalom did, for he was an evil young man. David's heart grew heavy in his chest, and he found it nearly impossible to speak. His son had been slain like an uncircumcised enemy. He said nothing to the messengers. He stumbled behind the gate and leaned on the wall, gasping for air. <laughs> Tears rained down from his face onto the dry ground beneath him. He pounded his fists against the stone wall and fell onto his knees. He gripped his chest. The pain was unbearable. My son, Absalom! My son, my son, my son! His face hit the dirt, and the tears continued to flow out of him like a river. I wish it was me who perished instead of you. My dear son, my son, my son, Absalom! The king was inconsolable. He retreated into a room within the walls and laid his head on the floor. His weeping was great and his pain was overpowering. For days he laid there, unable to get himself out of bed. Chapter 28 The Rebellion of Sheba Joab rode in with his men into the gates of Gilead. Word was sent to him that the king had locked himself away in his room. The grizzled commander dismounted his horse and strode through the courtyard. He saw one of the servants bringing food in for the king. Where is he? He said shortly. He is in his chambers. He has barely eaten in days, he said. Joab nodded and knocked on David's door. There was no answer. He knocked again and yelled. My king, we have won. Come and congratulate your men for their courage. There was still no response. Joab was frustrated. He pounded on the door until finally kicking it down. The wood at the hinges split into dozens of pieces, and Joab stormed in to see David lying in bed. The king rolled over and glared at Joab. What are you doing? He asked. What am I doing? Joab gasped. What are you doing? Your men have returned from a valiant battle and reclaimed your throne, yet you lay here like a spoiled child. David got out of his bed and stood to his feet. I am grieving the loss of my son. He yelled. Have some compassion, Joab. Have you no heart? Joab took the king by the collar and pushed him. David pushed back, landing a blow on Joab's jaw. Joab tackled him and pinned him to the wall again, this time slamming him against the stone. Listen to me, Joab yelled. I have served you for years and I have earned the right to speak. David tried to break free again, but Joab was intent on getting his point across. He drove his arm into David's neck and yelled. You will lose far more than your son if you decide to remain here weeping. Joab released David and then pointed out the window. Come. Look and see what I see. David was considering striking Joab, but instead looked outside. 
Thousands of men were sitting outside the gate, nursing wounds and enjoying their first meal in days. Joab spoke close to David's face, continuing to yell. Today you have covered them all in shame. They marched out to save your life. They fought for you, your wives and your children. Yet you have not come out to greet them, nor have you prepared anything for them as a reward. You have made it clear that your commanders and servants mean nothing to you. Of course I care. David yelled. I wanted to march with them, but you wouldn't let me. Because we were trying to save you. Joab retorted. And we succeeded. But you haven't noticed, have you, David? No. Do you know why? Joab walked closer to David and maintained his aggressive demeanor. He pointed his finger at David's chest and said, Because you love those who hate you, David. You long for their acceptance and show too much mercy. You did it with Saul and you did the same with Absalom. There was a long pause, and Joab's tough veneer began to break. There was a crack in his voice, and David could see he was holding back tears. My king, you mourn as if you wished Absalom were alive and we were dead. David was speechless. Joab's words cut him deeply. Joab coughed and composed himself. He stood up straight and said, Arise, my king. Go out and speak kind words to the men who laid it all on the line for you. I swear by the Lord, if you do not go, not a man will stay with you. Joab rubbed his sore jaw and left the room. David was left standing there, cut to the heart by Joab's words. The men were outside, laughing through the pain of broken bones and flesh wounds. They sat in the dust, content to enjoy one another's company until given orders. Then the king arose from his room and stepped out into the courtyard. The men all stood at attention. He smiled and lifted up his hands in praise to God. The rest of them cheered and David embraced them. He thanked them for their sacrifice and praised them for their bravery. King David, the shepherd of Israel and commander of his armies, had returned. The king made peace with the elders of Judah and Israel and returned with an agenda of peace. The people repented for their confused devotion to Absalom and once again embraced their king as God's chosen and anointed. He pardoned those who did him wrong and forgave those who sought to destroy him. Even Shimei, the man who threw dung at him and cursed him, was pardoned and forgiven. For all the things Joab had said, he got one thing wrong. David would continue to show mercy to those who hated him. He would continue to extend grace to those who scorned him. Why? Because he served a merciful and gracious God. Who was he to deny them what God had freely given him again and again? Yet not all was at peace. Within the borders of Israel, a bitter and contentious spirit was growing. The night sky was covered by dark clouds. The air was hot and humid, and most people had retreated early into their homes to escape the grossness of the air. However, there was a man who was not sleeping that night. In the middle of a courtyard in Jerusalem, Sheba, a Benjamite, conspired against the king. He stood on a platform, dimly lit by torchlight. He was a tall and lean man, clearly hardened from years of battle. His long legs paced back and forth on the platform as he spoke to the people below. There will be no riches for us to inherit under King David, he said to them. His voice was resonating like the roar of a lion, yet smooth like the gentle hiss of a snake. Absolute proof to us that his throne is fragile. His rule is weak and we have no future under him. 
He spoke to the lonely and the marginalized. In the weeks leading up to this moment, there had been growing division among Judah and the rest of Israel. While the region of Judah thrived under King David, the rest of the tribes found themselves struggling in economic uncertainty. The people of Israel had felt the pain of an unstable rule since the war against Ammon. They believed it was time for a new king, and Sheba took advantage of their restlessness. He stirred up the crowds to chant. We have no inheritance in David. He shouted. He favors Judah. Well, maybe he should go back to just being their king. Let us find our own way. Let us fight. The men of Israel gathered around Sheba. As the weeks passed, his message of insurrection grew. Hundreds turned into thousands, and David's name became a curse to many. The mocking of the multitude multiplied. However, Judah remained steadfast and loyal to their king. David did not take the stirring of Sheba lightly. He needed to put an end to it before the nation became too divided to recover. He gathered his loyal men and the elders of Judah together to discuss Sheba. Missing from the group was Joab, who David did not invite to the table. After their fight, David had decided to look elsewhere for leadership over his army. He leaned over the war table and shook his head. What are we hearing? He asked his advisors. The nation has split in two once again, Amasa said. The economic repercussions of Absalom's coup have been hard to recover from, and the people blame you. Amasa was once loyal to Absalom, but had since been reconciled with David. However, there was still a lingering distrust between him and the others. Abishai was also there. He lifted his voice and said, My king, we need to end this swiftly. Absalom was self-serving and ambitious. He was calculated, but easy to predict. This man, Sheba, is chaotic, unpredictable, and has no clear desire to be king. He is dangerous. David nodded. His brow was furrowed and his lips were pursed. He prayed to the Lord for wisdom in his mind, seeking answers to such a complicated problem. The men of Judah have remained loyal, he said. They outnumber the rebels of Israel greatly. We need them here to quench this rebellion. David gestured to Amasa. Amasa, will you gather the men of Judah as their commander? Abishai turned his head in shock. My king, what of Joab? David peered over at Abishai and shook his head. Do not speak to me of Joab, he said plainly. He turned again to Amasa and said, Can I count on you? The young commander bowed his head and smiled. I will not let you down, my king. So Amasa left to gather the men of Judah. It was his duty to organize the ranks of Judah's men, form a march, and set up a garrison outside Jerusalem. David needed the men present to lead them into battle, and Amasa's job was of great importance. However, three days passed, and Amasa had failed to gather the men. He showed no urgency, leadership, or ability to mobilize in crisis. David waited for the men of Judah to arrive at the gates of Jerusalem. However, there was no one to be seen. Finally, he called for Abishai to enter his war room. Abishai entered and sat down before David. The king sighed and rubbed his temples. Abishai, I once again need to call on your faithfulness. You are a good friend and an excellent warrior. Abishai nodded and smiled. David stood up and pointed to a map. His finger slid from Jerusalem to Beth Makkah. I have been given word that Sheba has mobilized a great number of men to the region of Beth Makkah. 
It is believed that he may be creating a stronghold in one of the smaller towns. Abishai looked at the map. Bethmakan was a poor region with rich history. No doubt Sheba saw it as an opportunity to easily take advantage of the people there. What would you have me do, Lord? He asked politely, still slightly perturbed that his brother was not there. The king folded his hands and paced the room. Amasa has failed to gather the men of Judah in time. I do not know where he is or if he is even coming. I cannot wait any longer. If Sheba continues, he can do more damage than Absalom. Will you take the mighty men and pursue him? Abishai looked at the king and studied his face. He was clearly in conflict with himself. David knew that he should assign this to Joab, but there was something that held him back. As David grew older, Abishai could see the cracks in David's seemingly perfect character. He was a man who struggled with abandonment and deep wounds caused by his own father and his father-in-law Saul. The mythical legend of the giant slayer was slowly fading into history, and now Abishai could see that before him was just a man, a good man, a noble man, but still just a man. Abishai drew a deep breath and nodded. Of course I will, my king. I will pursue Sheba while you remain here to study the economic fallout from all this. The elders need you to help them move forward. While you deal with the politics, I shall deal with Sheba. David was relieved at Abishai's answer. As he left, David stopped him, saying, Abishai, if Joab desires to march with you, I would very much appreciate his skill. Abishai smiled and bowed. Then he left to assemble the mighty men. They gathered immediately, ready to pursue Sheba with all their might. Even though the mighty men were growing older and the youthful endurance they once possessed was waning, they were still to be feared. Every surrounding nation knew that David's mighty men were not to be trifled with, and Sheba would feel their wrath fall down like heavy rain. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Sheba stormed through the nation like a violent wildfire, consuming all in his wake. His voice resonated with every person he spoke to, stirring them up to anger and discontentment. 
he took advantage of the hurt, the poor, and the dispossessed. Instead of pointing to the hope of God, he called for uprising and chaos. Everywhere he went, he gathered more followers. They followed him in hopes for a better future. But Sheba had not thought that far. All he wanted to do was be heard and have their attention. He had it, and he had no idea what to do with it. Without the ranks of Judah, Sheba's army was small and insufficient. However, he had the sway of the masses on his side. They were under his spell, and his words corrupted them like a slow-working poison. We shall build a new Israel, one of no poverty, war, or corruption. A new Israel built by the people. His message resonated, and they followed him throughout the region. A messenger from Jerusalem found Sheba and his followers. They are coming! He shouted. Run for your lives! The mighty men are coming! Sheba turned around with a grave expression. Who is coming? He asked in a hushed voice. The messenger answered, saying, The king has sent Abishai and the mighty men of David to pursue you, Sheba. They are only a day's journey away. What are you going to do? Will you fight them? Sheba knew it would be utter foolishness to fight them. He had no army. He had no plan. His role was to stir the people up, get them angry, and bask in the wave of glory they created for him. He turned to the people and raised his hands. To the nearest city. There we shall prepare for David's hunting dogs. The people began to murmur amongst themselves. The news about David's mighty men caused a great deal of consideration among them. They began to question what they were doing and began to realize Sheba may not know what he was doing. Sheba and the rebels marched to the city of Abel. There, he established himself as governor. His followers bullied people out of their homes so they could sleep for the night, and Sheba called for a great feast to be made in his name. The elders of Abel were not sure how to react to Sheba's presence. He came with a great deal of people, and they did not desire to fight. However, he was not a welcomed presence in their city. As Sheba dined on stolen meat, bread, and wine, the elders convened in a secret place. Among them was a woman, a wise sage of the city. She led the discussion against Sheba, strategizing on how to get rid of him. Listen to me, brothers, she said. The time may come when David's mighty men come knocking at our gates. We must decide now if we are going to help them. Not if it costs us our lives, another elder declared. Sheba has his dagger at our throats. One false move, and we may be taken out. The others mumbled and nodded in agreement. They were caught in a difficult situation and were not sure on how to proceed. They felt like hostages in their own city. As they discussed, there was a pounding at the door. The elders looked up, then at one another. They had no time to act before Sheba and his guards kicked down the door. Truly, the city of Abel was in a grave situation. The mighty men of David were camped out in Gibeon. They remained there under the covering of a large stone. Its massive frame blocked out the sun and protected them from the harshness of midday. The servants of the king who followed him in exile were also there, the Cherethites and the Pelethites. They were a faithful bunch, filled with courage and devotion to their king. Altogether, they were perfectly capable of going after Sheba. Abishai and Joab were confident they could find Sheba by the week's end and destroy him before the rebellion spread any further. 
Night approached, and the two of them met under the moon. Together they sat by the fire, stoking it and strategizing for the conflict ahead. We must expect that Sheba has men willing to fight, Abishai said. Some trained soldiers, others willing civilians. Joab affirmed Abishai. We want as little bloodshed as possible. If we are to keep our nation intact, we must not kill too many of our countrymen. Finding Sheba and killing him first is our best option to keep the peace. Abishai added. Wherever he is hiding, I doubt he will come out and fight us himself. Joab nodded, and the two of them continued to discuss the best way to proceed. The next morning, the two brothers awoke to the sound of marching. They ran out of their tents and saw the armies of Judah approaching from the south. In front of them was Amasa, smiling with his arms stretched out in joy. Joab was not amused. The man who took my job, he muttered. Amasa had been weeks late in gathering the armies of Judah. He proved to be incompetent when it came to leading, or worse, perhaps he was failing on purpose. Joab looked at him with skeptical eyes. He did not trust him and saw his incompetence as a threat to Israel. If he is in charge, we may perish. Joab said to Abishai. Abishai knew the look in his brother's eyes. Usually, he was the voice of reason and caution in Joab's life. However, this time, he did not feel the need to hold his brother back. Do what pleases you, brother. I will not stop you. Joab smirked and stepped forward to go meet Amasa. Joab was wearing a soldier's uniform, signifying his demotion from commander. It amused Amasa to see Joab humbled in such a way. Ah, the mighty Joab, he jested. What a pleasant surprise to see you here. I did not know if David would allow you to fight for him. Joab feigned a smile and said, Is all well with you, my brother? It took you a long time to get here. We thought you were dead. Amasa's smile left him. Joab laughed and came close to him. Come here, Amasa. Greet me as an ally. We fight for the same king. Amasa quickly scanned Joab to see if he had a sword. He did not. He let down his guard, and Joab grabbed him by the beard and brought a dagger out from his thigh. He drove it deep into Amasa's stomach and twisted it. He leaned in and whispered, I have killed many men for the safety of this nation. You are but another number on the path to peace. Joab let go and Amasa fell onto the floor. His entrails poured out of his stomach. He was still alive, frantically trying to get them back in. He wailed in agony, slowly losing blood and life. Joab wiped the blood off his blade, looked up to the army behind Amasa, and bowed. He left back into the ranks of Abishai, without saying a word. Abishai looked out at the army of Judah and shrugged, then left back to lead his men. Joab's armor-bearer stood over the corpse of Amasa and raised his voice to Judah, saying, Whoever favors Joab, whoever is for King David, let him follow Joab into battle. Let them fight for the nation. The ranks of Judah pressed onward and followed Joab. The mighty men of David, the servants of the king, and the armies of Judah all marched to defend the integrity of Israel. Many of the men passed by Amasa and winced in disgust until finally some of them took his body aside and covered it with a garment. Amasa's body was left to rot in the desert between Gibeon and Abel. His death was a sobering reminder of Joab's resolve. He was brutally and violently devoted to David and the people of Israel, and no one would stand in his way.
the men of David finally made it to Abel. The city had large walls surrounding every side of it. There was only one entrance, and it was guarded by thousands of Sheba's men. His devoted followers stood at attention with their weapons protecting the city. Joab looked back at his men. Take out the guard first, he shouted. Joab gave the signal, and the mighty men ran forward with the armies of Judah behind them. Like a rushing wind, the mighty men blew down the followers of Sheba. They tried to brace themselves. However, Joab and the rest of the warriors were far too quick. Abishai himself cut through seven men to reach the edge of the wall. He knocked four of them out with the blunt end of his blade, then slashed the other three at the knees. He did not want to kill them, for they were his countrymen. There was only one man he desired to kill. Joab was not so merciful. His sword met the throats of dozens. He was like a mother bear ferociously protecting her cubs. His stamina was unmatched, and his brutality was without equal. Whoever did not fall to the sword fled back to their homes, and now Sheba was alone behind the walls of Abel. The men stood at the rampart of the wall, clamoring after Sheba. Bring in the rams! Joab commanded. Dozens of men came in from behind the hills with battering rams made from trees in the nearby forest. They ran into the door, cracking it slightly from the first blow. Joab signaled for them to cease, and he yelled at whoever was listening on the other side. I will burn this city. I will destroy it if I must. Bring out Sheba. There was no response, only silence. Very well, Joab said. He nodded to the soldiers to continue battering the doors. The blows shook the earth below. As the soldiers were readying themselves to go again, Joab heard a voice yell. Listen! Please stop! Joab looked up and saw a woman calling out from the wall. He sheathed his sword and approached the rampart. It was the wise woman from the Council of Elders. Are you Joab? She asked. I am. Who are you? Joab replied. I am from the city, and I implore you to cease this attack. We have done nothing wrong. The woman's voice was not frantic or angry. She was calm and sure of herself. She intrigued Joab, so he nodded for her to continue speaking. They used to say in former times, before the days of kings, let us ask for the counsel of Abel. Matters were settled here in the city, and we were known as the most peaceful and faithful in Israel. Why would you swallow up a rich heritage like ours by destroying the city? Joab could not help but chuckle. You think I want to destroy the city? Far be it from me to destroy anything. I've not come to swallow you up in fire. I have come for one reason and one reason alone, Sheba. He has lifted his hand against the king. Give him up and we will withdraw from the city. Do I have your word that is true? She asked. My very word. Bring me Sheba and we leave in peace. Then I will ensure his head is thrown over the wall. She said nervously. Joab once again could not help but chuckle. She seemed so sure of herself. However, Sheba would not go quietly. Joab gestured for his men to cease their attack of the wall. They waited, looking for any sign from the city that Sheba was dead. Joab has given his word, the wise woman said in confidence. If we are able to kill Sheba, he retreats. The elders were gathered in a room, discussing in secret what to do with Sheba. We will have Joab come and cause an uproar in our city. Sheba will retaliate and many lives will be lost. Is that what you want? 
The elders shook their heads in shame. The woman put a hand on her heart and said, I want to live in peace within my city. Sheba has robbed our peace, so I say we take it back. They were all in agreement. The elders called Sheba in for a feast. They staged warriors at the sides of the entrance with daggers. Slowly, they watched Sheba approach. He was as skittish as ever, but would not turn down a hearty meal. His guards came in first, and the warriors of the city took daggers to their ribs. In one swift motion, the two warriors killed the guards. They keeled over, and Sheba ran for his life. After him! They yelled. He ran through the city streets, running away from the warriors of Abel. He knocked over carts from the marketplace and burst open chicken coops to escape. He did not care who he ran over to get away. Finally, he scaled up a roof and began to run over the rooftops. One by one, he jumped from home to home until finally reaching the top of the wall. He ran on the top, searching for a way out. But Joab was waiting at the bottom for him. He saw an opening, leading to an exit on the other side. Just as he was about to jump down, a spear went whistling through the air, landing directly through his side. Sheba fell onto the stone floor of the wall and writhed in pain. The warriors finally caught up to him, took him by the head, and chopped it off. Sheba's body bled over the edge of the wall, dripping down onto the floor below. They held the head high in the air for the whole city to see. Sheba was dead, and no rebel would be welcomed within the gates of Abel. Joab was on the other side. The sun was descending over the wall, causing Joab to squint when he heard a clamoring from within its borders. Finally, something went flying through the air, blocking the sun for a moment. All the men watched the object fall onto the floor with a thud. Joab approached and turned the object around with his foot. Sheba's severed head was lying face first in the sand. Joab <laughs> laughed again and bowed to the wall. Although he could not see her, he knew the wise woman was watching. She was, and smirked as Joab gave a sarcastic bow. Joab took out the trumpet from his belt and blew it. The sound resonated for over a mile, signaling for the men to return home. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.
The wait is over. The Shy returns May 10th on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com/slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Lingering unrest was inevitable. Absalom shook up Israel, and it comes as no surprise that there was political and social unrest. It came at a bad time because King David does not seem up to the task of handling any of it. The prelude takes us into the chambers of the king. He is despondent after the loss of his son, even though he was a treacherous psychopath. David is no different from any father who loved his son. However, the grief cripples him in a way unbecoming of a king. His bereavement seems over the top, and there is political and social strife being ignored. I am not a psychologist, but many scholars, psychologists, and theologians believe that David had suffered from some sort of depression in his life we may have witnessed a particularly difficult bout for him. Either way, David's kingdom was being neglected, and it took the heavy-handedness of Joab to snap him out of it. Joab was harsh physically and verbally with the king, but we don't get the sense that he went too far. But he made some really powerful, but he made some really forceful points. In the heat of the moment, Joab pins David down and rebukes him. This is one of the more compelling scenes of our series. Because we're trying to save you, Joab retorted, and we succeeded. But you haven't noticed, have you, David? No. Do you know why? Joab walked closer to David and maintained his aggressive demeanor. He pointed his finger at David's chest and said, Because you love those who hate you, David. You long for their acceptance and show too much mercy. You did it with Saul, and you did it with Absalom. There was a long pause and Joab's tougher veneer began to break. There was a crack in his voice, and David could see he was holding back tears. My king, you mourn as if you wish Absalom were alive and we were dead. Joab reintroduced an older theme of this series, father wounds. David's childhood was marked by neglect, and as a result, he seemed to pine after the approval of those who hated him. Joab hit a nerve with David, but it was the right thing to do. His words got David out of bed and among his men. However, Joab and David's relationship suffers, mainly because of David's pride. Sometimes, compelling truths are packaged in harsh tones. Jesus, when faced with some of the Pharisees and money changers in the temple, used very aggressive tones and even flipped tables. When Peter was undermining the mission of God, Jesus said, Get behind me, Satan. Jesus was no stranger to conflict. The balance for us is to know when to speak gently and when to speak boldly. The coup of Absalom shook the economic foundation of Israel. Judah, being the larger and more stable tribe, was not as affected. However, the other tribes of Israel were hurting. There was a large group of people who felt dispossessed and angry, which was a perfect opportunity for someone to take advantage. People like Sheba come around every couple of years. Sheba is like many cult leaders, fringe political activists, and ideologues that love to stir people up. People like him fan the flames of anger but offer no real solutions. They talk of a new world order and salvation without any concrete ideas of convictions. 
Utopia is always their fantasy, but corruption is always their reality. Sheba is an agent of chaos. David knows he needs to quench the uprising and put an end to Sheba, but he can't march against him. He needs to stay and deal with the elders, so he sends Amasa to lead his army. He doesn't invite Joab, though, because of his petty grudge. Amasa's loyalty and competence are in question, so it surprises Abishai to see him take command. There's a moment in this episode where Abishai observes David like we would. As David grew older, Abishai could see the cracks in David's seemingly perfect character. He was a man who struggled with abandonment and deep wounds caused by his own father and his father-in-law, Saul. The mythical legend of the giant slayer was slowly fading into history, and now Abishai could see that before him was just a man, a good man, a noble man, but just a man. As our story is slowly drawing to a close, our overarching theme becomes clearer. David is not the ultimate hero. We've been reminding ourselves this whole series while also standing in awe of how awesome David is. But now, as he stacks more and more failures, we get to fully realize David is just another sinner. The myth of David is melting away, and we are left with just a man. Joab re-enters the story when it is time to march against Sheba. It seems clear that Amasa was either terribly incompetent or secretly rebelling. Either way, it was putting Israel in danger. Joab takes matters into his own hands. He did it with Abner, he did it with Absalom, and he did it with Amasa. Joab, the most fiercely loyal subject of David, frequently disobeys him for the safety of Israel. We are supposed to love and hate Joab. Why? Because we just can't tell if he's good or bad. He protects Israel, but he disobeys the king. He saves lives, but he murders out of revenge. He loves David, but he kills David's allies. Joab seems to think David needs him to make the tough decisions he is unwilling to make. Is he wrong? Joab is one of the most confusing characters in Scripture. We don't know whether to praise him or hate him, and neither does David. Sheba is eventually killed, and the people go back to normal. This is a perfect example of fleeting ideologies and movements that have no momentum once their charismatic leader is gone. Would it be the same for David? What will his legacy be? At this point in David's life, he isn't quite sure what the lasting memory of him will be. In our next episode, we will witness David wrestling with his own legacy and the name he will leave behind. We are almost to the end of our series, and David has a few more good fights in him. Let's finish well with episode 29, The Heart of a King. Thanks again for listening. For more inspiring stories, daily prayers, wisdom to last a lifetime, go to pray.com. And to expand your heroes in the Bible journey, download the Heroes of the Faith devotional at TonyEvans.org forward slash heroes. Write a review and let us know how this podcast has impacted your life. God bless. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. 
Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.